Bretto, the first 200 tickets to the 2018 Wellness Summit sold out in less than 24 hours. Can you believe it? Oh, MP, it's awesome that our Wellness Coach fans are as excited about the return of the Wellness Summit as we are. If you've been hiding under a kale smoothie, Zazen Alkaline Water presents the return of the Wellness Summit on August 25 and 26 in Melbourne. And for one week only, we have 100 seats at a crazy two-for-one special. That's right, MP. Not only do 100 lucky listeners get two tickets for the price of one, but they also receive the digital recordings of the 2018 Summit and all of our previous events. Gee whiz, that's a lot of value, Bretto. That's over $1,400 in value, MP, and all for just $297. That's two tickets for the price of one for two days of powerhouse wellness. That's less than $10 an hour to attend the wellness event of the year. Oh, enough of the number crunching, MP. These 100 tickets are only available this week until Saturday, May 19, or until sold out, whatever happens first. For tickets, the speaker lineup, and all info, go to thewellnesssummit.com. TheWellnessCouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. Welcome to a place of wellness and healing for both your body and mind. Get ready to live a happy, healthy, whole food life that totally rocks. You're listening to Shiny Healthy You, the straight-talking natural health show for busy women with your host and naturopath, Jules Galloway. Today's episode comes with a friendly warning. If you're listening to this in public or with the kids in the car, well, you've got a few seconds to switch off before we get stuck into some rather adult content. Three, two, one. All right, here we go. Welcome to the second episode in what has been jokingly labelled my three-part VAG series, so we'll just keep running with that. But what we're actually doing is we will be discussing all things sexual health. You will find out what's normal, what's not normal, and how to improve the health of your lady parts, and in this case today, your sex life because today's guest is a sexologist or also called a sex therapist. She believes in a world of meaningful connection, powerful intimacy and loving sex. If you feel disconnected from your partner or struggle with recurring arguments, if you find yourself replaying the same patterns in relationships or if you wish you could feel more confident with sex and experience more desire, then the next 30 to 40 minutes is just for you. Whether you're single, in a relationship, or whatever, there will be plenty in here just for you. So, without further ado, please welcome to the show the awesome Isaiah McKimmy. Woo! <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> oh, what an intro. <laughs> I know, I do my best. I do my best. I'm so stoked to have you on the show today. This three part VAG series is turning out to be quite epic and a lot of fun. So, there might be a little bit of giggling involved, but that's all good. So, first of all, I, I, you came recommended to me from uh, several people <laughs> when I put the word out, uh, but being a sexologist is a rather unusual profession. So, how mm. did you end up doing this for a living? Oh, wow. Such a great question. Because I, I never imagined that I would be doing this. Um, I actually put a post on my Instagram today kind of explaining some of my journey because honestly, if you had have met me, you know, when I was kind of finishing school, I was honestly the last person that you would imagine would be talking to people about sex and intimacy and relationships. You know, I was so shy and awkward. Um, you, you just never would have pictured it. So it really started for me. Um, 
probably when I was in my early 20s, I was at a music festival for the weekend and, you know, there were all kinds of interesting workshops and classes going on. And I just happened to find this Tantra yoga workshop. And I am not even sure at, at that point, you know, we're talking 15 years ago, kind of before Tantra was, was starting to become a bit more popular. Uh, I saw the class. I don't know if I knew what it was, but I just felt like I had to go along. And it really had quite an impact on me. Like I was hooked and I was intrigued. It was like yoga, but it was also giving me permission to enjoy my body and to enjoy sex. It was meditation that I felt like I could actually do because it wasn't just about sitting still. And so I wanted to, to learn more and more. Uh, after practicing for a couple of years, I ended up teaching, never thinking that, that this would end up being my career. Uh, but not long after I started teaching, a psychologist saw me teach and asked if I would work with his male clients experiencing sexual dysfunction to teach them the practical things that I knew through Tantra that, you know, that he didn't know and, and couldn't teach them as a male psychologist. So that work was such an incredibly eye-opening role. Um, you know, I really kind of look back on that period and, and think that that's probably where I realized just how much sex, intimacy and relationships impacts our whole lives. So men with this, these dysfunctions, you know, premature ejaculation uh, and erectile dysfunction were avoiding relationships altogether because they were so embarrassed about it. Um, they lacked confidence in just about every area of their life. Some of them were turning to alcohol and drugs as a way of covering up the issue that they had and working with them to create change. I mean, I actually saw their whole lives change. I, I saw them change as people and it really kind of dawned on me that this is uh, an incredible and profound way to change people's lives and actually help make people happier. Um, and even then, actually, I, I, I didn't realize that there was such a thing as a sexologist or a sex therapist, um, but I, I just really wanted to learn more. I wanted to learn more so that I could help people with this. Uh, so I ended up studying at the Institute for the Advanced Studies of Human Sexuality in the U.S., I came back to Australia and then decided, I think I had realized at that point that, oh, I could be a therapist and help people with this. I don't know why I hadn't put that together earlier. <laughs> Love bulb moment. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, oh, okay. Um, so I, I did a, a master's in relational psychotherapy. Um, I then still felt like I wanted to know more about sex from a more kind of academic perspective, even though I had a lot of the really practical stuff from Tantra and a lot of the kind of practical things and the, um, you know, breaking down beliefs about sex from the Institute for the Advanced Studies. Uh, but I ended up then doing a uh, postgraduate diploma in sexology and then a Master's of Science in Medicine focusing on um, sexual health and sexual health counselling. Wow. So <laughs> it was, uh, yeah, it, 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 it's funny. It, it ended up being this 
if you'd have told me at the start that I was going to, you know, like spend seven years of my life studying sex, I would have been like, oh, that sounds so exhausting. Yeah. <laughs> but How could you possibly need seven years to cover everything? Oh, wait. Yeah. <laughs> right. And it was really just about wanting to learn more and to be able to give more information um, to the, to the clients that I was working with. So that's the kind of, um, guess that's the, that's the version of how I ended up as a sexologist and sex therapist. Wow. You really like to do things properly, don't you? <laughs> yeah. I wasn't doing it by halves. <laughs> no. So what sort of men and women do you work with now? Do you work more with women now or men or couples or what's going on yeah. in your practice? So- Right now, I work with uh, women and couples, and it's about half and half. Um, even though I started working with men um, in this field, I, you know, I really, I think like a lot of us do in our businesses, really decided I wanted to kind of um, niche and realize that um, I have, uh, I guess, a particular ability to work really well with couples. Um, you know, I think for anyone who's a therapist, it's like you, you're so used to working one-on-one and then you add someone else into the dynamic and it's like a whole different ball game. But I, I love working with couples so much, seeing the way couples change, the way they look at each other, the, you know, the little smiles that they give each other um, once we've been working <laughs> together for a while in our sessions. I know. It's just like, oh, wow. Um it's just, it's such incredibly rewarding work. And, and I realized too, that I I had a passion for helping women feel really empowered around their sexuality. Um, I don't have anything against men. I just really felt to, to niche into, into this work with women and couples. Yeah. So let's talk about what people are going through where they've, when they first arrive uh, for a session with you, like what sort of issues do they have that drives them to seek out a sexologist? Mm. So I think one of the things that I offer that may be a little different to a lot of other sexologists is that I'm also a couples therapist. Um, so there's not a whole lot of us out there that have these qualifications in both. So, uh, it means that, that I end up working with, um, you know, I guess a particular, uh, kind of couple a lot of the time. So often, um, one partner is perhaps feeling a little dissatisfied by the relationship, like the general relationship, and the other is feeling unsatisfied by sex. And they often feel like then by coming to me, they're going to end up with both of those addressed rather than just (laughs) one part of that. (laughs) Um, One stop shop. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I'm sure there's a lot of people that, you know, that can relate to that, you know, perhaps one partner saying, oh, you know, I just wish we had sex more. Or, um, you know, we don't have sex enough. And the other saying, well, I feel like we need more emotional intimacy first or I want to work on communication. Um, so it's, it's really helpful them, for them to be able to come and talk to me. Some of the issues that I see are couples who, you know, one partner has a higher sex drive than the other. They both have kind of found that they're just kind of in a bit of a funk around intimacy, kind of in a bit of a rut and... You know, they're both not really in the mood very much anymore. Uh, I'll see either couples or women alone um, where women are not really enjoying sex. Perhaps they've never had an orgasm or they only orgasm 
very rarely or they could orgasm to a certain point and then they weren't able to anymore. Um, I also see couples who are really struggling with these recurring arguments um, and just don't know how to find a way, a way through it. Yeah, right. <laughs> oh, there's so many, so many things that I could, so many tangents in that, in that one bit that I could go mm. down with you. Uh, but let's talk about the, the bit with the partner who has the higher sex drive. So mm. I know a lot because I, I um, in my practice, I talk a lot with women who've got adrenal fatigue. So one of the things I do mm. in, in my business is a program for adrenal fatigue. So I get a lot of women sort of aged 35 to 45 um, who are right in that sort of they've had maybe a couple of kids or they've had a very busy job or something stressful's happened in their life and they're in a relationship but the relationship's suffering because they are absolutely exhausted. And part mm. of that exhaustion picture is the sex drive's gone out the window and it's yep. affecting their relationship with their partner um, because, you know, one person wants it and the other person's like, get away from me. Um, and then they feel bad about that because they're like, well, I do enjoy sex, but I just don't want it. Uh, I don't yeah. know how to get started. So, yeah, what, what do you do to help these people? What advice do you have? Mm, so it's a really good question. Um, and this is actually probably the most common thing that, that I work with couples around. So I think, you know, there can be a lot of reasons why one person isn't interested in sex. Um, but actually for, for me to say as, as a beginning that it's actually really normal for there to be different desire levels in se uh, for sex in a relationship. Uh, almost all couples, you know, at, at various points, one person will be more interested in the other and that can flip around at different times. Definitely in, in terms of um, my work and the couples that end up coming to me for therapy, I see a higher portion um, where in heterosexual relationships uh, a male partner wants more sex than the female partner. But I actually um, also see um, some couples where the woman has a higher sex drive than, than, than a man and I hear of a lot of women who say actually that's the way it is for me, but um, but my partner's not willing to um, you know to to come and talk about it. So I think actually there's probably about fifty percent where women have a higher sex drive, fifty percent where men have a higher sex drive. But I think it's probably more um, in a way more socially acceptable and easier for a woman to to kind of say, "Wow, something is going on with my desire. Let me take steps around this so I can reignite that." Yeah, I think it can be really helpful to keep in mind that often a partner's desire for sex is actually a desire for connection and intimacy. They're asking for sex and it seems like they want sex, but most of the time when, when we actually question them on this, it's like they don't just want sex with anyone and they don't just want you know, any particular kind of sex. They want to feel really close and connected to their partner and sexual intimacy is a way that, that they um, see that they can do that. So it can just be really helpful to keep that in mind. It's like, oh, they're asking for sex again. It's like, oh, actually they're expressing a desire to be really close and, and connected to you. And I, I think it, it's also really helpful to, to keep in mind that 
if it's important to one person in a relationship, it has to be important to the other one as well. So if um, your partner's saying, actually, this is really important to me, then it's like, oh, wow, okay, then this is really important to the relationship. So how can we find a way to meet each other's needs around this? How can we find a way to, to make this work together? Yeah. And what are the first steps that you might take someone through if they want their sex drive to be better and they don't know where mm. to start? Yeah. So I would first start kind of looking at, um, you know, some of what I, I imagine you do. It's looking at, okay, what is it that's contributing to this at the moment? What are the physical factors? Are you exhausted because, you know, you have adrenal fatigue or because you're up all night taking care of children or because you're home all day taking care of children and having them climb all over you? Um, is it that there's some kind of power imbalance in the relationship and that's contributing to it? Are you not getting the kind of attention and affection that you want? And so you're kind of feeling like, why should I give my partner the affection that he wants? Um, so understanding what's contributing Contributing to that for each person will be different and, and that will also start to, um, to kind of inform what we do as a way of changing that. But really where I start with women or couples on this is starting to strengthen their general relationship. So having them spend more quality time together, having them connect as lovers again and not just like housemates or co-parents or co-managers of a household <laughs> like a business relationship <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, can you pick up some milk on your way home uh, who's taking care of the kids tomorrow that kind of stuff isn't sexy and while it's necessary <laughs> uh, we all... <laughs> I'm just trying to think of ways to make pick up the milk sexy I'm, I'm drawing a blank nothing, no, nothing. you can't you can't you can't <laughs> Uh, so it's like okay we still need that kind of thing but then we also need the um the time together the time away from our obligations the times when we're remembering oh that we are lovers so it might be you know um bringing back a date night where you you know you go out together and you do something fun where someone else is taking care of your kids for the night or you're just getting outside of your regular routine if that is kind of um, you know too much to start with because you don't have anyone to to take care of the kids or it's really hard to get your schedules to match up, even just starting with ten minutes a day can can make a really big difference. It's like ten minutes where we sit down, look at each other in the eyes, and and talk about not logistics. <laughs> you know, <laughs> how was your day? How are you? Um, in that kind of, I, I call it a, a 10 minute check-in that I do with couples. And I also suggest that they actually start to share something that they appreciate about each other as a way of kind of building that connection um, and love for each other again. And the more that we start to look for those things that we appreciate, the more we find, and we often find ourselves kind of being, um, being more willing to, to find ways to work with our partner around the intimacy issue yeah I like that check-in because it's just like baby steps mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. that's right it, it this you know it, it doesn't have to be you know people often think of like oh weekends away or or we have to you know buy some new 
equipment or you know toys or something it's like no like Uh, all of that stuff can come later but let's start with the really um yeah let's start with these um more fundamental things because they alone can make a really big difference and do you think that's the way back for couples who haven't had sex in like a really really long time like months or like i've i've seen clients who just you know, and friends who haven't done it for even years. Like how do they get yeah. back on the horse? Cause I think it gets to a point where it's almost getting awkward. Oh, it, it doesn't get easier. <laughs> <laughs> the, the longer you leave it, it does not get easier. Um, I, so I was actually, I was talking about this on a, on another podcast this morning. Um, so sometime um, in the kind of towards the end of last year, I wrote a blog piece called where to start when you haven't had sex in months or even years. And it like shot straight to the top of my all time most popular posts. Oh my God. That's, that's actually scary, right? It shouldn't be that popular. (laughs) Right. It really, you know, it really, it really surprised me. I always imagined when I started this work, you know, I was like, Oh, I'm going to learn all these like really interesting techniques and things that I can tell people about what to do. And it's like, Oh no, actually now that I'm, I'm here, it's, that's not what, um, that's not what most couples I work with need. It's about, you know, coming back to that, um, again, that more fundamental level of connection, starting them actually, you know, having sex again, starting them being able to communicate their needs and desires to each other. So, you know, and I, oh, I, I bring that up, the, the blog post, because I think when that's us, when we're in that place of, gosh, you know, I haven't had sex in so long or I've had, you know, sex five times in the last two years, we can really easily go to a place of feeling like there's something wrong with us and feel really em- embarrassed and ashamed about telling anyone. And I always want people in that situation to know like you're absolutely not alone. It's much more common um, than, than we realize. Yeah. So for, for those couples and really for any couple who's looking at rebuilding or redeveloping, if you like, kind of giving a bit of a, uh, a revamp to their sex life, we do it step by step. It doesn't happen all at once. So starting with that connection, building, um, building the foundation to work on in terms of your relationship, connection, trust, intimacy, starting to spend time together, um, then starting to show each other physical affection that doesn't necessarily lead to sex. Um, and I'm sure if, you know, if someone's listening and they're, they're in a relationship where there are different desire levels for sex, they might kind of relate to what a lot of couples tell me and that that's when there is a difference in desire levels. Physical intimacy or can fall away altogether. You know, one partner doesn't want to go and hug the other uh, in case it, you know, gives them the wrong idea or you know, one partner doesn't want to initiate intimacy because they see their partner pulling away or because they don't want to feel disappointed about where things will lead to. So as a kind of protective mechanism, they just kind of stop reaching out to each other physically very much at all. 
so starting to to build that touch again um, because that's going to help you also release oxytocin right that really fantastic bonding hormone that helps you feel closer and more connected to each other and that kind of leads you to want to touch each other more and so then to to build on that perhaps going to you know to central touch so you're giving each other a massage or you're having a shower together and having the focus be on your connection and intimacy and pleasure rather than the goal of sex and orgasm. I think when we focus on this is where it has to lead um, and, you know, sex is a failure if we're not having sex and we're not both having an orgasm, then it can be like an extra amount of pressure on us that just isn't helpful. Um, So to have the focus be on that connection instead. Yeah, I like that. That's awesome. Uh, As women, we often talk about having our needs met as well, but how do we work out what our needs are and do you think that our needs might have changed over time and maybe we need a (laughs) check-in? I think our needs are always changing actually Um, and needs are a really hard one to to understand a lot of the time. I do a lot around um, needs and desires with with couples because we um, yeah we we don't necessarily know what they are for us we, um, and usually particularly for women, but we'll often feel like, you know, our, our lives or, um, sex is about meeting someone else's needs and making someone else, uh, giving someone else pleasure, but not actually about our own. So it can kind of actually take some practice to even check in to see, my gosh, what are my needs? What are my desires right now? Yeah. Yeah, I think that it's huge because also like your partner might have an idea of what your needs are, but it might be what your needs were 5, 10, 20 years ago. Yeah. Yeah, this is for me where communication it is always really central. If we're, you know, being able to communicate about it, then we're easily navigating those changes. Yeah. Yeah. That communication thing's huge. But I think for a lot of people, there's, there's still a lot of taboos out there. And I think a lot of people, I mean, in this day and age, should not, this should not be happening, but I think people still have trouble discussing this stuff openly. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Abs- no, absolutely. Because I mean, still we live in a culture where we're not really taught how to talk about sex. Like I certainly grew up in a household where it just wasn't really mentioned. Um, you know, I think the, the time that I remember kind of hearing my mum talk about it was to her girlfriends and they were talking about, you know, avoiding sex. Um, and that sends a kind of clear message <laughs> as well. I think a lot of us grew up in households like that where sex education was perhaps left to the school um oh my god and do you remember those videos are you old enough to remember those videos I I remember those videos they were like cartoons and taught you nothing really uh, except really diving boards (laughs) (laughs) if you grew up in Australia in the 80s you'll remember those videos I'm sure that's right (laughs) I'm having all kinds of flashbacks right now (laughs) (laughs) oh it was horrifying like if that's the only education you're getting then you're getting it wrong (laughs) 
Right. Or, or the education we're getting is, oh, the best way to avoid pregnancy and STIs is just not to have sex at all. Yeah. That's going to work with the kids. That's totally, how's that going for you world? (laughs) (laughs) It didn't work for me. I can tell you that. Ever worked. (laughs) But yeah, let's just keep trying that angle. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Oh my God. Have we not progressed at all? So, you know, it's totally no wonder then with, with that as, you know, that, that's, our, that's our education. And, and, you know, and we were lucky if we got that kind of education at school because, you know, there are people who, who didn't even get that. So then how would we possibly know how to talk about it with a partner? How would we know how to ask for what we want? How would we know what the possibilities are for sex? Um, you know, how would we know um, if some something's going on and we're not sure if it's normal or not. Uh, so it, it really never surprises me when, you know, when couples often show up to therapy and they've been, you know, struggling with something for years or sometimes even decades. And they're like, we just don't even know how to talk about it together. It just ends in an argument or we go around in circles and we don't get anywhere. So we've just, you know, tried not to talk about it. Oh, no. Yeah, that's awful. That going around in circles, mm. yeah, that's that's not good. Um, mm. Do you think there's a lot of shame around mm. around all of this still? I do. I do. I think for in a culture, you know, we're in a culture that's somewhat obsessed with sex but also kind of afraid of it at the same time. And so those messages that we get because we don't talk about sex. You know, when anything isn't talked about, it's like the unseen, it's the forbidden, it's shameful. And so a lot of us still have that, that, that shame that, that sits with us around sex. Yeah. And that carries on to how we talk to our kids and the teenagers and everything as well. Like it really, it concerns me, like if couples can't talk to each other, like what chance do we have of talking to the next generation and making sure that they don't carry on that shame? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's something I've, I've, um, I think I've, I've recently written a, a few articles around that because, um, you know, I guess as I'm saying, I see the, the results when we're not able to talk about it and these discussions around it actually, you know, it's not a one talk that we need to have once someone hits puberty. It's actually an ongoing conversation. Um, you know, an, an ongoing age appropriate conversation that continues over time and evolves as children age. Oh my God. I love that. If you're, yeah, if it's all about the talk, then that's not it. That's not it. Yeah. 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 Nice. (laughs) All right. Let's, let's change tack a little bit. I want to talk to you a little bit about uh, body image because uh, again, a lot Mm. of the clients who come to me and who come through my programs um, and who are listening right now have, you know, maybe hit 35 or 40. They may or may not have popped out a couple of kids, but either Mm -hmm. way, their body has probably changed a lot recently. So Mm. maybe they've put on a little weight or maybe they do have a post baby body that they're still trying to get used to. Um, I know a friend of mine after she had a baby uh, said, oh, yeah, you know, new boobs, new vagina, new everything. And it's like, (laughs) oh, gosh. Um, What tips do you have for helping women to feel more confident as they go through these changes? 
And this is a big one for me because this was actually a big part of my own journey. You know, I kind of mentioned feeling really shy and awkward um, as I was growing up, but a big part of that for me was um, an autoimmune condition I have that has left um, me kind of lacking pigmentation in different parts of my skin. So I actually have these big white patches all over my body. So for me, body image was something that I struggled with for a lot of my life and actually only started to change for me once I discovered Tantra. I think for, you know, and I hear this, you know, really often that women's, women's bodies have, have changed. They feel like, you know, their vulva and vagina have changed as well. And, you know, they're worried that their partner isn't attracted to them anymore. Or they're feeling self-conscious uh, going into sex and intimacy, one of the things that I often kind of say is just keep in mind that once you're naked, your partner's just really grateful. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I say too. <laughs> it's so true. <laughs> <laughs> like uh you know it's it's really kind of our own inner critic that's that's telling this story most of the the time like I can't even tell you it's like this tiny tiny percentage uh that I hear of when oh no actually you know I do feel like her body's changed and I'm not attracted to her anymore but actually even in those cases it's something going on in the relationship or something going on in that person for them to have that view about their partner. For the most part, the partners that I hear are saying, I just am still so attracted to her. I'm still so turned on by her. You know, to me, she's still beautiful. I, I think her body is amazing. Um, I just hear this over and over again. And it's like, I'm, you know, I still want to have sex with her. It doesn't feel different to me. So I think it's that recognizing like, oh, wow, this is our own inner critic that's, that's chattering away here. Oh, as we're getting in our own way, seriously. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. And, and so I think that that's actually um, a really empowering kind of position to hold because then it's like, wow, my body doesn't need to change in order for me to feel good about myself and in order for me to enjoy intimacy with my partner again. I think we can put these hurdles in front of ourselves. You know, when I've lost this amount of weight, when I get back to a size, whatever, but actually we can learn to love our body regardless of the color, the size or the shape. It's about how we feel within ourselves. Um, and so I'll often say, you know, sexy is a state of mind. It's about how we're feeling about ourselves. So it's about changing those inner beliefs and feelings that are going on so that we feel differently in ourselves and that sexy shines through us. Yeah, all that fancy lingerie and the mood lighting and all of that, it's kind of more for us. They don't care so much. They really do. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know. And I often hear this of like, oh, yeah, the lingerie is great, but I just can't wait to take it off her. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so cute. You must hear some real doozies that, that, that <laughs> the, the husbands come in and say. <laughs> you've got a great job (laughs) I have an amazing job and you know when they you know I think men often are under this kind of pressure in our society to have this kind of bravado 
on and actually when they're able to just kind of take that off and just be in a place of being really honest you know their desires are not that dissimilar from us they want to feel close and connected and loved by their partner you know they're as worried about feeling desired as we are they just might put on like a braver face around it but but ultimately they're worried about being loved as well yeah they are there's so many of them they have that front but underneath they're just a pussycat yeah yeah Yeah. (laughs) i love it uh i've also got a question on behalf of the single ladies out there Mm -hmm. (laughs) how does does one attract a quality partner that's going to give us what we desire and and who will be the right person for us in the long haul like are there things Mm. that that uh we need to address in ourselves first. I, I say we, but I'm married, but I'll, I'll say we on behalf of all the single ladies. Yeah. What, what do we need to do? <laughs> yeah. I, look, I think it always starts with looking at ourselves. So if we've found that we're just never attracting the right person or we're attracting like the same kind of person and the relationships are ending in the same way, or we think we've found a different kind of person, but it's like, oh, wow, we've ended up in the same place there's something for us to look at within ourselves. So I think when we recognize, you know, our own um, relationship history, when we look at the things that we've learned around um, relationships, intimacy and our needs and start to um, really just bring awareness to those, we're in a much better place to to choose a partner that isn't just going to repeat the same patterns. So, you know, notice what the patterns are. Notice the need that you might have been fulfilling or um, what you've been attracted to in the people that you've been seeing previously. And really, really, like, just really look at that. Wow, what is it? Am I always attracted to men who are unavailable? Am I attracted to men who are really there at the start, but then they pull away and I end up in this kind of cat and mouse game Um, you know, am I always the one to end relationships because they're too clingy or needy, for example. So look at, okay, what's my part in it? Where might this have come from? What can I do differently going forward? Yeah, I love it. I love it. Awesome. Wow. I think we've covered a lot, a lot of terrain today. (laughs) Thank you so much uh, for coming on the show and and for everything that you do, because uh, I know that you're helping so many people and and reaching so many people because you're putting yourself out there, which is awesome. So yeah, thank you. you have an awesome website and you mentioned the blog and we will pop some links in the show notes, especially to that very famous viral one. Where What was it called? Where to start when you haven't had sex for months or even years? Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely linking to that one. Uh, so, yeah, can you tell us uh, where to find you? Mm, so my website is www.asaya, which is I-S-I-A-H, hyphen mckimmy m-c-k-i-double-m-i-e dot com uh, and you can also find me on instagram it's my new favorite social media i feel like i've only just discovered it i've been missing <laughs> out for all these years. <laughs> <laughs> i know where was i um <laughs> so uh, i don't on... know studying sex somewhere for seven years maybe i don't know yeah <laughs> I, actually that's a really good point i pretty much was buried under a pile of books um <laughs> so, <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm a Siam McKimmean sexologist on Instagram. Awesome. I'll pop links yeah. to all of that good stuff in the show notes. Um, yeah, because I know you've got online courses, you do one-on-one coaching, you do all kinds yeah. of things. There's lots of different ways to work with you. Yes. And, and just for anyone listening, my one-on-one or like couples and, and plus me coaching is all done on Skype. So I have clients all over Australia, all over the world. Um, if you, you know, not in Sydney or, or Melbourne and you're wondering where to see someone, um, connect with me online. Yep. And I, I can, I can already think there's a few people who are like, well, that's easy to get my partner to counseling because we don't actually have to go anywhere. So you can yeah. sit in your lounge room on your lounge chair. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Awesome. And I, I just need to also mention that we've kept the tradition going in this sex series that um, the last, the last uh, episode I was in my bedroom due to sound problems in my office, i.e. tradies across the road being bloody loud. Um, and today you're in your bedroom. So woo! <laughs> I'm bunkered down in my bedroom. Exactly. <laughs> so we're two for two in the badge series from the bedrooms. This is awesome. So yeah, thank you so much for, for being flexible and for hunkering down today in that corner. <laughs> and um, I'll make sure that we pop all those links in the show notes. And yeah, it's been wonderful talking to you today, Isaiah. Thank you. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you so much. I hope you enjoyed that rather open and frank and I think very insightful interview from Isaiah McKimmy. So I hope you got a lot out of it. And if you are enjoying these interviews from the last couple of episodes, there will be one more to come in that three-part VAG series. And next episode, we will be talking to a sex educator and Yoni Mapping therapist. So if you're intrigued to know what that's all about, make sure you hit subscribe and tune in in a fortnight from now. Now, if you would also like more tips for better energy levels, if you want recipes for healthy whole food living and free tools to help heal your adrenals, head over to julesgalloway.com right now. There's heaps of stuff over there waiting for you. Also, if you're sick of feeling tired all the time and if you find yourself constantly feeling exhausted or maybe you've been diagnosed with adrenal fatigue, I can help you. I would love to help navigate your way back to health and vitality. Yes, it's possible to get those energy levels back. And in order to help you do so, I offer a limited number of free adrenal fatigue discovery calls each week. They're no obligation, they're free, but I only do a few of them every week. So if you want to reserve your spot, just head to julesgalloway.com right now. Look for the menu uh, selection that says work with me and there's an option there to book your free adrenal fatigue call. I look forward to chatting with you. In the meantime, have a beautiful fortnight. Stay shiny and bye for now. This year, the Wellness Summit returns. For those of you on your own health journey, you know that a lot of times it's two steps forward, one step back, and you think you're doing well, and then something else pops up. It's like um, always, you're always learning. It's just a, it's not something that just happens overnight and suddenly you're well. If I actually had been so wrong about this really important thing in my life, what else was I wrong about? And it got me down this, uh, this place of questioning all the concepts that I had. And then I came to one question, which was, who am I beyond concept? When I was a little kid, I really always had trouble with food intolerances. I realized that there was a lot to be said for the way you eat. 
you come to the same place that I came to, and it's a place of complete freedom. Joe Witten and Fuad Kassab feature at the 2018 Wellness Summit. Bigger and better than ever. Tickets on sale Friday, May 4 at thewellnesssummit.com. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.